over the course of all of those events that we have done over the years. This is going to sound crazy, but it's true, that we retained into our ministry kids who would actively come to our weekly stuff. We retained from all of those outreach events that we did, 0% of the people who showed up. Welcome to the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast, where we talk about the calling of youth pastors to equip students for the work of making disciples moving teens from church attenders to disciple makers. Here are your hosts, Joel Friend and Jeremy Collins. Welcome to Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast. Today, we're jumping into episode five, Attractional Ministry Friend or Foe. We're excited for this podcast. Joel, are you excited? I am very excited. I'm sort of nervous because I think this could be controversial, but we'll see how it goes. We enter into this with humility, friends, uh, where our goal here is to help you think and discern what youth ministry can and should be. Our outline today, why are we talking about attractional ministry? We're going to define it. We're going to talk about our own experiences and how do we then leverage it for discipleship. And then we're going to close out with some challenging questions that I'm excited. You need to stick around for some of those. I have a quote that I want to open us up with here today. It's from Andy Stanley. It's it's quite a small uh, quote, but it is quite powerful when you think about it. He says this. He says, the system you create is perfectly designed for the results you are getting. Hmm. The system you create is perfectly designed for the result you are getting, which I think is leading us into asking the question, why are we even talking about this topic in the first place if we're just diving right into this first section? And I think for you and I, Jeremy, we've been you, we've been doing this thing for quite a bit of time, and we've we've tried every every trick and pony and everything that we could to you know uh, you know build our youth ministries and things of that nature. And I think you and I over the years have seen uh, because we've been at we we've been in our places for so long to actually see the fruit of those things. Yes. And I and I think some of the things that um, uh, the reason why this particular quote for me uh, stands out is because. I've seen the results of the ministry that I've been doing over the course of the last several years, and it's given me a little bit of pause uh, and and talking about this. So our 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 question is this: is uh, is a attractional model of ministry a friend or a foe in the disciple making process? Yes, it's both, hmm. and, and I think Intriguing. that that's what we're gonna talk about as we, we walk through this. But for me, as, as we think about attractional ministry, we're going to define it in a moment. But as we're, as we're talking about what is a friend and what is a foe of ministry, it comes back to those results. What, what are the results we're getting? And this is why we've been doing this podcast is we're seeing uh, and have been seeing for some time a trend in young people of not sticking out and becoming church members, not staying in the church post-college. And it's driving us to ask difficult questions And one of these questions is what we're talking about today. But I think attractional ministry, when uh, submitted to the gospel, and maybe we'll talk a little bit what that looks like, I think can be uh, a very good outreach and part of a ministry Mm -hmm. when done cautiously. Yeah, I think one one of the things I'm nervous about in this particular episode is that people will think that we're poo-pooing 
all things fun. No, that's not true. You and I like to have fun. Absolutely. I mean, you throw, you're still throwing dodgeballs in kids' faces, right? So that's like your thing. I, I try to aim at the feet now. Right, but just you're just bad aim. Yeah. So at this point, it's just headshots. So yeah, I mean, we, we think that fun is still an absolutely crucial element to what we get to do. I think how we use that. Mm -hmm. and what our ultimate goal is and we'll talk about some of those things near the end um but uh but let's move into a little bit of defining attractional ministry i think that's helpful for us and for you as the listeners to okay what do these guys mean by attractional ministry and jeremy and i work together on kind of agreeing upon a uh, a definition so we're just going to read it for you and so it is uh we define attractional attractional ministry as an aspect of ministry that relies on components outside of Jesus and church community to bring new and existing students into their setting. I'll say it one more time. An aspect of ministry that relies on components outside of Jesus and church community to bring new and existing students into their setting. So what what do you think when you hear a definition like that? Well, I I think you're you're shooting for a narrow target. We're, We're not just saying anything that is attractional right is attractional ministry yeah anything that is fun is attractional ministry. no we're saying when there are choices uh given that we go outside and extra past what we w- would say so i, I think what are some examples what, what, I mean, what do we say you you and i kind of did a little when we were doing our pre-production we sure. were talking some for us the thing that we would do most to be attractional would would host something like an event or an outreach that really ended up not having an outreach component. So we just do something to do it. We go to the movies. We'd um, right. Yeah, it, where there's fellowship still happening, but the question is, why are people showing up to these things? Yeah, and and what is their intention for showing up, and what is our intention for getting them there? One one of the things we would do a lot of times is uh, all kinds of events at. Uh, different places. We, we'd rent out places and go to Fun For All. Now, I think about going to Fun For All as maybe the grossest so thing to do what's ever. Fun, what's Fun For All fun, for people who don't know? It's it's a upscale Chuck E. Cheese, I okay, guess, is the yeah, best yeah. way to Fancy dis- Chuck E. Cheese. Is it's the best way suburban to Chuck E. Cheese. It. There you go. Yeah. And and say, let's all meet there and go-karts. Yeah. And, and, and while that's good, what is the purpose? And how is that tied to discipleship? I hadn't thought through a lot of those things. Yeah, yeah. And I think we, we've done stuff in the past, like uh, we're going to give away Beats headphones. Sure. We've said, like, we have an NFL, we have an NFL, former NFL Steeler mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. to speak. And so you, you, you use these components that are outside of, like, you know, uh, your primary target of discipleship, right? And, and a lot of that is in, you know, Bible study and, mm-hmm. and relationships and fellowship and church community. And so I think when we begin to rely on those things heavily to draw a crowd, I think that's what I think we're a little bit of of cautioning about is if the the primary goal is for us to just get fresh blood all the time then I think that we're in a place where we might we might be satisfied with the upfront results from that but then eventually become dissatisfied because of what what the system is creating and what the system is is producing. So let's, you know, you kind of get us, you got the ball rolling for us, but let's talk a little bit, some of our own experiences, like what what are some of the things that we have done uh, in order to, you know, draw a crowd or get people to show up, things of that nature. What are some things that you, you and I have done? When I, when I first got here, one of the things I started doing is, is just taking students to Kings and just paying for their food yeah, and, and just saying, Hey, I'm going to feed you and you're going to come back. And, uh, it, it worked for a time. Um, but it was just one of these little things that 
if when I look back on, man, I, I think some of them only kept showing up because we go get ice cream after youth group. Because you paid for their yeah, ice cream. Because I paid for their ice cream. Right. Yeah. That, that can't be the only thing you've done. What no, else? Come on. No, give me more. I yeah, got a whole list here. I know. I'm going to be shooting down this list. Go ahead. Yeah. The difference in some of our ministries is uh, going to show in some of this because the big events that we do, you, you had some much larger events. Yeah. Um, one, one of which... Um, I didn't do, but I was criticized for not continuing when I came, uh, was renting out the Pine Richlands High School Stadium and having a lock-in at, at the stadium, um, which... Is outside. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it never made sense to me, and it was just... I don't know how that made sense to anybody. It, it happened. So, it happened but yeah, once. Pine Richland's a local uh, area high school for us. Uh, it's like it's like five minutes down the road sure. from you. So I don't understand how you do. I mean, I guess you play games all at night. What do kids fall asleep in the stands? What do they do? I, I wasn't here. I don't know. I was just told it was the best thing we've ever done, and I said, "I questionable." Yes, questionable. <laughs> um, giveaways. Uh, you've mentioned it already, but yeah, a lot of just one of the silly things we had and. I look back on it was we had this, you know, when you go to the dentist and you get a box of free stuff, we had mm-hmm. a box of free stuff that if you brought a friend, you get free stuff and it was goofy, weird stuff, Yeah, but it, it literally got to the point where people were just bringing random people to get something out of the box and it never went anywhere. Right. So the incentive became about what they could get rather than what they could help their friend know who Jesus, Jesus is. is. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I think someone, some people listening here, you'd be like, Oh yeah. Like we, we've done stuff like that. I did. This is probably like eight, nine years ago. I get, I did this point system. This is horrible. <laughs> So I did a point system. Like every week you showed up, you got a point. Oh, if no. you uh, if you had memorized your Bible, you got a point. And then we like if you brought a friend, it was like five points. If if you you know things like that, and you also got a snack from the snack bar. At the end of the year, I had this list of oh, how many goodness. kids had how many different points. And so what we did was we had an auction. And so we had all of these different prizes up front, and they could bid their points on the stuff up front. And so this whole incentive was, you know, I think I was in a time where I was like, oh yeah, we need to build up our numbers. We need to, you know, get kids in the door. And so we were looking for these ways. And so we incentivized our kids like that. Some people right now listening are like, that is a fantastic idea. Maybe, but maybe not. But, you know, we got away from that because I think we saw, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is probably a little bit more for our kids than it is really for their friends. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and... and- and that's what we're talking about is we're not saying these are bad, inherently bad. Right. We're saying how, how are we using them and, and what is our motivation? Your, your part of the definition I think is important is reliance. Yes. When we're relying on these things. Yes. And we're saying, where are the kids? Oh, we need to do another thing. Right, right. And so uh, some of the things that we've done over the years, and uh, I wouldn't say we've done it all, but we've done quite a bit. So we had two different uh, years. We did something called a smash night, which was we, I literally went to a local, you know, junkyard and had them donate to us a car that we, like kids would go into the building. We had, that car was outside. Kids would go into the building and they would get tickets. And so based on the amount of tickets they would get, they could come out and they could smash the car with a sledgehammer. They could smash the car with a bat. Now it wasn't like glass. We had taken all that stuff out, but it was like, it was really fun. And so we had two of the, 
shows. Uh, we did a mystery bus tour where we didn't tell the kids where we were going and we went all these different places. We did all night lock-ins like mm-hmm. many people have over the mm-hmm. years, whether or not you like them. We did it at a sports complex. We did it at uh, the, you know, the upscale suburban Chuck E. Cheese and <laughs> we, you know, you know, those sorts of things. We did an all night bowling one. Uh, and then we all, we did three different battle of the bands. We had a lot mm-hmm. of music, music minded sure. kids and they wanted their friends to come have a place to play their play their music and so we had three i mean kids were swinging from the rafters there was kids who were mosh pitting we tried to like cut that out as much as we could and a kid like cut his eye open it was crazy now Uh, did you ever come to any of the coffee houses we used to have no i I remember hearing about those but we no this was and this was not coffee house material like swinging like doing rage rage dancing they're punch dancing so it was crazy uh we've done nerf wars as many people have we've done done laser tag in the church we've not no we just kept it to nerf wars we did that one yeah that, yeah that was a good time uh we did an indoor water park where i uh mm. left a kid behind but we went back and got him uh we've done a couple baseball games we're in pittsburgh so we went to go see the pirates we've done some sure, fall fest sure. we did some game nights and i mean the other thing about the attraction part is like this can be this isn't just event oriented it can sure. also be and i think that's another thing for us to talk about here too is that being part of the main program that you do week in and week out and so we were trying to do big games and we spent a lot of our time and effort and energy on that and thinking about how many hours of planning and preparation go into that, I think is part of what we're talking about too. It's not that these things are bad, right? Um, but if we're spending all our time and all our energy being event coordinators, yeah, we, we can get caught up in that mm-hmm. a little bit too quickly. Um, and then, then we can start drawing our value. And this is where I know you've, you've been there. I've been there where we start drawing our value from the, the number of butts in the seats. Yeah. And if kids aren't showing up, um, we feel like we, we are failing. That that's another downside. Oh, it's just a difficulty of ministry in general. But. Yeah. So I mean, Jeremy. I mean, over the years, like, what do you think you've learned? What do you think are some hmm. of the unintended consequences that we've experienced or thought through after the fact after these years, after all these years of doing you know those sorts of things? It's interesting because being in the same church, I've been at this church for fourteen years now, and I get to hear stories from previous students, and so few of the stories of impact in their life come back to those events that stick out in my brain. Mm. And so when we're having conversations, and and one student particularly sticks out who wasn't really that involved in our ministry, goes away to college, gets involved in a church at college, and is just loving Jesus. And I'm like, man, I'm so excited for you. And we're having conversation, like what stuck out about our time together? And he, it's none of the things that I would have thought stuck Mm. out. And it's conversations like that that start to make me think, am I putting so much emphasis on what I think they want, mm-hmm. what I think is fun, when in reality, uh, as they mature, they start to really see what is important? I, I think for us, we didn't really have a plan. Mm-hmm. And I think there were moments where, you know, we wanted to be cautious of kind of two things. One is this, uh, there's a phrase out there that I think we need to say, because I think it's really important, is what you win them with, you win them too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so uh, I think you'll have some thoughts on that here in a second. And But I think that was one thing that we came to discover was one of the unintended consequences for, you know, wanting to get these new kids in here, what, what new kids, you know, see when they show up uh, actually really matters. So, mm-hmm. you know, an attractional ministry is naturally going to be kind of a come and see sure. event. And the question is, what are they seeing? Uh, it did you know, I think what we did was we made it more about 
us mm-hmm. as like, look at how great we are. Look how cool I think I am. Uh, look at how much fun we are having. Look at like, look at what this church allows us to do sort of thing versus like who we are in terms of our community. Because there is, there is a huge, there was a humongous gap between when we did a big event and then our normal weekly program. Sure. And so when kids come to the big event and then they come to the normal weekly program, it's almost like you, you flipped a really big commitment switch for them. So, you know, I thought, you know, I thought we were going to be smashing cars every night, right? It's just like, <laughs> no, I mean, it's very different. You know, both in Duffy Robbins' book, uh, Building Youth, a Youth Ministry That Builds Disciples, and Doug Field's Purpose Driven Youth Ministry, they talk about the funnel system, right? They say it's always wider at the top than it is at the bottom. And one thing about that is, is that the deeper you go down into discipleship, the less people you have. Uh, and when the less people you have is a natural outworking of the commitment that they are mm-hmm. that they are being asked of them. And so I think one of the unintended consequences is that, you know, what you win them with, you win them too. And so when kids were coming to our normal stuff, that made the transition a lot harder for them. Yeah, and, and I think that's so uh, important, what you win them with, you win them too. And it, this isn't exempt from what we see in Scripture either. Jesus did a lot of things that drew big crowds. And I think that uh, a few of the times you see big crowds start to follow Jesus, and we are talking about this before we started, but we start to see Jesus kind of amp up what he's teaching, yeah. and then people going, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, the one time that sticks out most for me is right after he feeds the 5,000 in, yep. in John chapter 6, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You just want more food. right? He, he's calling it out, and some walked away, but some didn't. And so when we're talking about attractional ministry, uh, we're, what we're not saying is just do a smash night and then present the gospel. That kind of feels like a Jesus juke. You've said yeah, that. Yeah, that, that, that was one of my, that was my, con- I was, that was one of the things we're also cautious about because we, we did a smash night, but we had this mom come up beforehand and was like, you know, asking questions because her daughter wanted to come. And she was like, well, are you going to present the gospel? And I was like, No. And so there's, I mean, there's probably some people listening to this like, yeah, we present the gospel at every single event we do. Mm -hmm. And I go, that's great. As long as you're up front with your kids about that, because there is a little bit of something where you're like, hey, invite all your friends to this big fun event and that you don't tell them about this. And Mm -hmm. then they bring their friends and trusting you. And then there's this awkward moment where they're like, oh, but if you've either communicated to your students like, hey, we want you to bring your friends. We want to present the gospel to them uh, and give them a chance to respond. Or you, that's just, I have a, I have a buddy of mine who's in youth ministry. That's his thing. Thing. It doesn't matter what they do. He's presenting the gospel anytime it's there. It's like, okay, your kids aren't confused on your standard anymore. And so I think yep. that was the other thing that I'm cautious about is the like, you know, never saying anything about what we do as a church, but then, you know, m- making our kids maybe distrust us if we're not upfront about what we're trying to ultimately accomplish. Well, and, and I think the challenge is also we, we win people to youth ministry, but if we won them to the church mm. uh, and, and this idea that uh, if people come through our programs and love Joel and love Jeremy and not Jesus or love youth ministry and not the church, it's no wonder they don't walk back in and be a part of the body of Christ. We're not talking about just trying to build up a youth ministry. We're talking about building up the body of Christ, the believers who God has chosen before the foundation of the world to be a part of his mission to this world. And I feel like we have to hold that in such high regard. What we believe about the church and what the church to be must be a part of our youth ministry practice and strategy and discipleship. Mm-hmm. Because if it's just um, 
hey, we, we want them with fun games. Well, they graduate from high school and they graduate from college and, and they show up to church and there's no fun games. Right. What am I supposed to do with this? Joel, you told me there'd be fun games. There's no car to smash on Sunday morning yeah, after yeah. church. Yeah. And that might be a little hyperbolic to say that. Sure. I think that that can be some of people's experiences are drawn by fun and it just never goes deeper than that. Jeremy, that's such a great unintended consequence of youth ministry. Because I think to one of our previous episodes when we talked about when youth ministry ends, does it end? And so in, in some in some ways it does. Like what ends is what they know about being a part of the church mm-hmm. versus like, well, what if they're actual, you know, they're actually involved in the things of the church on a regular basis and are as a matter of our... In, it, as a part of our youth ministries. And so I think uh, maybe for you listening, you kind of go, oh, wow, I never thought about that before. It's like what we are what we are saying to these kids as they come into our ministries is this is what church is. That isn't, that isn't mm-hmm. you know, we are not audibly saying that, but that is a unintended uh, uh, narrative that we are giving to them is like to be a part of the church, this is what church is. But then when it gets to young adult and adult, age and they kind of go, wait, I had an idea. I had a, I had a box of what I thought church was and this isn't it, but my, this is asking more of me. And I, I don't think I'm ready to commit to that. So that's, I think that's an excellent point. So here's, now that we're done bashing uh, all of these, no, we're not, but uh, <laughs> not, well, we're done, you know, with that part. But I think we, I think you and I have just learned so much through the years yeah. uh, about this. And I think one of the things that we want to ask is how do we leverage events, our own programs for the disciple-making process. What what would you say? Well, this comes back to, uh, I don't think this is an attractional ministry versus a missional ministry understanding. Okay. Um, I don't don't want to build that as you have to choose either you're missional or you're attractional. Got it. Uh, I think we can do both. And when we're talking about leveraging uh, things for disciple making process, we have to have a disciple making process to leverage. Yeah. And and I think that 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 strategy of how we make disciples matters. It's it's almost as if we get a big crowd and we're like, oh no, now what do we do? I didn't think this far. I didn't think anyone would show up. Mm. And we have to be ready with that process and it has to be clear. Um, one of the things that I've, I've learned so much is just in my preparation, there's a number of questions and we'll get to these at the end, but that I kind of run through my head of making sure to check what I'm doing and the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Does it fit the mission that our youth ministry is about that our church is about? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, I, uh, I was just, as you were talking there, I was reminded of a friend of mine who he was telling me, you know, he has like 170 kids and middle school kids in his middle school ministry, but then he only had, this was like a couple years ago, but then he only has like 45 or 50 in his high school ministry. And he and I were talking about it and what I think he recognized, one of the practical things that was happening was what he was presenting to his middle school kids as, you know, programmatically and what he was presenting to his high school kids programmatically were so drastically different that when these kids moved up from eighth grade to ninth grade, it was just too, it was too much for them. And I think that is a, a practical learn is do you have continu- continuity in your ministry or are kids surprised to find there's, I mean, there, it'll be deeper in high school and maybe more serious. I, I had a kid like that one year. I had a kid or at the time it edge, you know, was our middle school ministry and it was all fun and games and all of our time went to that. And then when they got to high school, it was more like there's worship and there's, um, 
and there's uh, uh, there's longer messages and it's more about, you know, small group. And so for that kid, it was a little like, whoa, like this is an edge anymore. And I was like, well, yeah, it's not supposed to be because it's now high school ministry. It's supposed to be a little bit more mature, but he uh, he wasn't ready for that. Or another story is I had a, a buddy of mine recently share with me about, you know, uh, uh, students in his ministry during COVID and uh, they played a lot of games as a matter is a means of their you know part of what they do in ministry. But because some of the games they weren't allowed to play anymore, some of the things they couldn't do anymore, it wasn't as fun for them. Mm-hmm. It they kind of didn't come back because it wasn't giving mm-hmm. to them what they what they ultimately wanted. So I think that's that's a good start to that is seeing the continuity in your ministry. So as we're we're talking about. Um attractional ministry and and how can we leverage for the disciple making process i have a quote here uh from paul washer from the gospel's power for those of you who really love paul washer and for those of you who don't go on (laughs) it's a division for sure but he says this you cannot see the beauty of the stars in the midday sky because the light of the sun eclipses them however the sun sets and the sky becomes black as pitch you see the stars in the full force of their splendor So it is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can only see true beauty against the backdrop of our sin. The darker man appears, the brighter the gospel shines. The gospel is attractive, Joel. Yeah. And and the gospel is attractive because it's good news, but it can only be good news if we're made aware of our sin problem. And so when we're talking about attractional ministry being leveraged for discipleship, I think we can draw crowds, but we have to be very cautious that we're being able to lead those crowds to see the gospel, not just hear it, but to see it lived out. And, And you mentioned a few moments ago about culture. And I think if we're forming a culture of discipleship in our youth ministries, then we, we can have programmatic differences in how we approach different ages of students. But if our culture remains the same, mm-hmm. then I think you're going to have that continuity. Yeah, that's good. You know, as I was thinking through some of the practical things for this, um, I kind of thought about two things, one kind of for events and the other for, you know, for weekly program. The one for events is like, um, keep it about your community. And so we did a, a game night a couple of weeks ago for our high school kids. And so the game night was a variety of games, but it was all of the small groups facing off against one another. And so what it became about was as a community, they were, uh, there was two things happening. Once they were having fun with their group and two, they were having fun with their leaders. So yep. their leaders were there and they felt like they were a part of it and they were having as much fun as the kids. And we did have some newbies show up and we were, it, it was like, you know, girlfriends in our youth ministry who brought their boyfriends and we were like oh you guys got to go to the other groups because that's how we that's how we divvied it (laughs) up because they were going to their small groups and we had one kid remark of like how awesome it was for him to see the community Mm -hmm. that we had uh and that was attractive to him to see the kinds of the the you know the relationships the bonds that people had uh in that and so we involved our leaders in that as well and they felt really great about that. that that's so good when you're intentionally putting leaders and students in community yeah together yeah you can build off of that yeah that's good and then for the weekly program i thought about this a couple years ago is how you divide your time determines what you think matters most Mm. and so you only got a certain amount of hours or you know minutes with these kids and we had a time frame of which we spent most time on games 
And when that happened, you know, students yep. think the night is just for fun. Yep. Uh, and then it made the leaders because not all I don't know if you know this, but all not all leaders leaders like to participate in games. <laughs> uh, leaders felt a little bit more like chaperones than leaders. And leaders are there for relationships. And I think you need to divide up your time with that in mind. And mm-hmm. we, a couple years ago, we made the switch to we limited the amount of time that we spent doing the game stuff, you know. Sometimes they'll be off to the side. Sometimes we'll have leaders get into it. We try to encourage our leaders as best we can to engage in games. Um, but but what ended up happening is when not most of the time is spent there, and it's most of our time right now is spent in small group. Yep. I think I, th- I think it's like seventy five percent of our night is spent in small group, and it, that does a couple things. One, it lets uh, the students know that it's about our community, and it lets the leaders know that their time with us is absolutely essential. Uh, to them being there. Hmm. So when they're mm-hmm. showing up every week, they know they're not chaperoning, but they know they have a humongous responsibility yep. to lead these kids. Our we have one group, we have one group in high school. It's our 11th and 12th grade girls. They are serially, that's not even a word. They are consistently like late every single night we have a small group. Like we'll be done our our high school ministry ends at 9. Mm-hmm. They get in a small group about 8:20. That group does not get out until 9.20, 9.25. Like, I have to, like, knock on the door and say, you have to, you have to be, like, because sure. we told parents it's over at 9. It's over at 9. Like, we got, like, but they're so, they love each other so much, and they're such a beautiful community. And I know that's not true of every single youth ministry, but I think what our leaders aren't confused about is why they're there. They're there the because purpose. they're discipling these yeah. kids, and they're building community, and, the, and these are their, uh, these are their uh, group of girls. And so those are some of the things that we've practiced learned over the years hmm. those are good those are good well and you answered the question i was about to ask you do you start with games or do you end um and we've made the shift in that same idea yeah, go to focus on small groups and time together at the front and sometimes there's been a few weeks where yeah we we haven't really even gotten to games almost we've hit some bumps with that but we we've done that intentionally because what has come for us is utmost importance we want right at the front we don't want to cut anything else short because we ran yes, out of time. Yes, that's good. Now, let me ask this question. Do you have kids who are antsy to get done with the material and yeah, that stuff in order to get sometimes. to the games? Okay. Yeah. I think we're, we're trying to figure out ways to do that. For middle school particularly, um, we have to do it at the front because they get so amped up after games that, man, it takes me 15 minutes just to get them to focus and calm back down. We wanted to close with some challenging questions. And these are for us. These are questions that Jeremy and I have asked ourselves uh, and that we we presented, you know, you know, to our leaders. But we also want to present to you. Uh, I'll get us uh, started off here. Uh, one of the questions I've had to ask myself for the years is, does this, when, especially when going to plan an event mm-hmm. or a program, does this build a crowd or community? Does it build a crowd or community? Uh, another question would, do new students know what's next? Uh, if they show up, are they aware of the next thing that they uh, they can go to? Number three is, is this about me or our team? Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, you know, for me, it was all about me putting on a great event and everybody talking about how great it was versus like involving everybody and making it about our whole our, our whole youth ministry uh, leadership, including our volunteers. So, uh, and question number four, and I think this is so crucial uh, to ask, is is to ask your students this question. We've asked our students this question, and it was really telling. What is one thing that we do that if we stopped doing it, you wouldn't come back? 
And what that will tell you is what they value most, and it will possibly tell you what they think you Mm. value most, because that's usually what you spend the most time on. And before we get to your questions, I I had thought about this. I meant to mention this earlier, but one of the driving reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with myself and our team was because over the course of all of those events that we have done over the years, um, this is going to sound crazy, but it's true is that we retained into our ministry, kids who would actively come to our weekly stuff, we retained from all of those outreach events that we did, 0% of the people who showed up in terms of new kids. So we had our kids who were there, uh, and they loved it because they love what we do already, but then they brought their friends. Like, for instance, back in the day, we had when we did the Smash Nights, we had averaged about 60 kids, 60 kids middle and high school, and then but we would get 110 kids to mm-hmm. come to Smash Night. Yeah. So And it was during our normal time frame for student ministry, so I know that those kids are available. Those 50 kids are available, and none of them came back. And that made me go, what in the world you know, am I wasting my time? Am I doing this wrong? It makes you ask a lot of questions. And so that's part of the reason why we wanted to bring this this podcast to the forefront is asking a lot of really difficult questions, questions that we might be uncomfortable with. Because I know for myself personally, to know that the retention rate is 0% of the kids, of new kids to come into our ministry because of those events, that causes me to pause. So I wanted to I wanted to kind of throw that in there. But Jeremy, what are what are some of the questions well, that you have? I, I want to respond to that first. Okay, go ahead. I, I think that that's a good, a hard stat, but a good stat because I wonder, and I wonder if um, you had spent now the time equipping students to be disciple makers, and spent that time focused in in small group that if that that number might change as your culture has changed yeah and i'm not saying you you do another smash tonight if you do i'm coming but right um uh yeah wow that's that that hurts some of the questions that i have and, and they're very much the same uh but one is is just a, a deeper question is is what are we known for what are we known for what is our youth ministry known for if we're known at all mm. um but if if students tell other students or friends, I go to youth group on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights. What are we known for? Mm. And, and, and it gets back to some of the questions you've asked, or here's another one that I've asked myself a lot. Are we focusing our time, money, leadership, and prayer behind the things that will produce life change and discipleship? Mm. And is this thing I'm spending my time on and my energy on, because that's very important. And what am I praying for? Is that bringing about that life change? Uh, same question, maybe worded differently, you already said it, but is there a clear path for discipleship in our ministry? Is it clear how to be a disciple and what that path looks like for students, for leaders? And my last one, and and this has really been on my heart and mind over these last few months, particularly, uh, do students in our ministry see kingdom work as a lifestyle or just something they they come and do at church Mm. when they're invited into it? And then, and then finally, are we equipping parents and students for the work of ministry? And, and I think those are, I know I just hit so many questions so quickly. You can rewind and listen slower if you need to. But uh, those are just some of the questions I go through in my process as we're doing events or putting out parent communications, whatever it might be that we're doing. Um, a few of those are, are ones that I come back to regularly. Yeah, that's awesome. So to summarize, Tractional Ministry, Friend or Fro, Yes, 
as long as we, well, it's a, it's a friend as long as we are leveraging what we're doing well to draw people into the mission of disciple making and the path is clear for new kids showing up and they know exactly what you're about. I love that question. What are we known for? I think that's, I think that's really good. It's a foe. If it's all we'd rely on and depend on to get new kids and just get fresh blood and to boast about our numbers, because the reality is the real number that we really matter. What matters in the end is how many disciples that we've helped to create as they go off to, uh, post, uh, post-student ministries, right? When they're in their first year of college and things of that nature. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that is I, I think that is a little bit of what we wanted to focus on here today is to present to you guys our stories, present to you what we have experienced and learned, and hopefully it's, uh, you know, maybe challenged you a little bit or, uh, and if maybe some of you disagree with what we kind of landed on and, and how we use ministry. But I, I hope that these have been, you know, these are thoughtful questions for you to consider. So um, we're so glad you guys met with us today, um, and we're so glad you guys joined us. Yeah, I'm so excited for where we're going to go next, because what you just said, I think we have to focus on the culture that we're making Mm -hmm. in our youth ministries. And that starts with our leaders. That starts with our volunteers. And so our our next episode, we're going to be talking about volunteers in youth ministry and what we've learned, what we've messed up on. Um, and, and how to do that because your leaders are going to be the most important ministry that you have. And we want to talk more about that. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at disciplemakingym at gmail.com. And again, thank you for joining us. Share this podcast with someone uh, who needs to hear it. Leave us a rating if you haven't done so already. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast. We sure do hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe wherever it is you consume your podcasts. We hope you have been encouraged by what you have heard and you're ready to jump into the hard work of disciple making. Catch you on the next one.